Welcome to the Art of a Messy House podcast, where my house is messier than ever, but I am at my happiest. And the only answer for it is Jesus, where my hope is anchored. Come join me, Jen Kasuda, your host, for faith encouragement, testimonies, and devotionals as I share everyday faith in my real, authentic, not perfect way. There will be stories of humility, kindness, truth, and love as we walk in faith through the everyday relatable moments. As a wife, mom, teacher, and author, I'm learning to embrace this messy but beautiful life while encouraging others to do the same. No matter what stage of faith you are at, you will learn of God's love here and be empowered to walk in your own beautifully distinct purpose right here, right now. So let's step over the clutter together and laugh through the stress, for true beauty is in the art of a messy house. So dear God, please bless this beautifully imperfect mess. Love, Jen. Dear God, what is my purpose? I'm going to say it right from the start. I am not going to be able to tell you your purpose. However, I'm going to share tips that I have used, tools that I have learned in trying to discover my own and continuing to try to step into my own. And don't get me wrong, this is a process I am walking through and continue to walk through. I think that is part of life and the journey of life. And so, I do feel prompted to share now, even though I don't have it all figured out. I don't know if we ever will have it all figured out, but I do feel prompted to share and not hoard. This will definitely be more than one episode too, because there are so many questions and topics that I want to discuss here. So let me start with a little story. We were about to have family over. It was when we had had a baby dedication for my son. And we also were going to be surprised celebrating a family member's birthday. And so I wanted to order a cake. And in ordering this ice cream cake, I wanted to combine both celebrations. So I called to ask if they could write on the cake, happy birthday, God bless. So we could do both together, celebrate the birthday, but also God bless my son for his baby dedication. Now with this, I thought it was going to be an easy task. Sometimes the things that we think are going to take the quickest amount of time, take the longest. And it wound up being a 15 minute phone call to get this put on the cake. And so I'm saying that because when I was telling them what I wanted on the cake, the person on the other end did not understand when I went on to say, God bless. They understood the part of happy birthday. She was wonderful. She said that she put that down. And then when I said, God bless, she continued to question what I was writing there. It was actually quite comical because I had no idea how the cake was going to come back. I had to talk to another person, another worker, and in order to get happy birthday, God bless on the cake. We made a joke that maybe it was going to come back with happy birthday God on it and whatnot. But in all of that, it took a really long time to get this message that I was trying to put on a cake, a very simple message that I thought was simple. I say God bless a lot. It's in most of my posts. I write that. I say that to people. God bless. When someone sneezes, God bless you. And so I started to really think about this when I got off the phone because 
I started to get a little frustrated and then I started to laugh about it. And then my husband was like, who knows what this cake's going to say? And I thought that was funny too. And then I just really reflected because it was during this time I had really started to take steps in starting this podcast. And now I was very uncomfortable. I did not know who would listen. I felt this burden on my heart that I was supposed to do this podcast. I was supposed to get these messages that were overflowing. My writing and the messages that were placed in my heart were overflowing. I could not get them out quick enough. And I was turning to God time and time again and saying, what am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to get this out there and do a job that doesn't look sloppy? And I am taking it step by step, but it just started to feel like I was keeping a lot of them to myself because I didn't have enough time to put them into a post or put them into a blog or or edit them into a book. And while all of those things I do feel as though I'm supposed to continue doing, I felt like it was time to pause and really do the podcast. And this was not something that was comfortable for me. It was something that I was prompted to do a long time ago. And still, I was facing imposter syndrome majorly, and it seemed like everyone was starting a podcast. And I just kept questioning, do I have it wrong? Am I supposed to be doing this? Why would I do this when other people are doing this? Like, they're doing it better. They're better speakers. The imposter syndrome just kept going at me, and I knew what I had been prompted to do. But I was allowing doubt to seep in by entertaining it for even a second. We can't entertain doubt. And so when this whole thing happened, it really made me stop and think. Now, I told you I am an overthinker. There are a million moments all the time, and I am always overthinking. And so in this moment, I started to think, there are so many people who don't know God. If you go in my Instagram feed and you scroll, everyone I follow knows God, or most of them. Most of them are posting about God. Most of the people I interact with, most of the people I have met through social media, we have had faith-filled conversations and it could be a blessing. It is a blessing. I often tell my husband, I'm like, social media for me is not toxic in the way of like that. I see messages of hope and peace and joy all the time. Still, I thought of this moment, this happy birthday, God bless moment. I thought about In that moment, how many people still don't know about God? Or if they do know about God, how many people are still stuck not really having a relationship with Him? And like I've said time and time again, like I started in the Gospel of John, and in chapter one in the Gospel of John, we really see that. That was shown to me. There is a relationship with Him. So don't think because everyone's starting a podcast about God or about faith or writing a book, you shouldn't. It actually means if God is guiding you to do it, he is equipping you to. And it doesn't mean it needs to be a book or physical creation. What if telling your story or a piece of your testimony is part of that? I started to think about this because I started to think about the person on the other end of the phone. And I started to think about I wonder if she knows God and maybe she did. And maybe I'm just overthinking like usual. My husband's probably rolling his eyes like, oh man, she is overthinking. But still, seriously, I started to think about how many people don't know him. 
What blocks them or prevents them from knowing him? Is it lack of opportunity or lack of exposure? Is it pain? Is it pain of the past? Fear of the future? So I had to get back to the normal everyday kind of stuff I was doing. So I prayed for her in that moment. And the lovely person who helped me get the cake, the other person that I was transferred to, and the person, because it did come back and it did say happy birthday, God bless. And so I thank them. And it just makes me think about what we are holding on to that we are meant to share or what we are holding on to that we are meant to turn and surrender to God so that he can work his purpose in it because he is doing it already. Sometimes we just need to let it go and give it to him. In discovering our purpose, God equips us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Wow, he equips us. Every single one of us, our gifts matter, our passions matter, our life experiences matter, and also the pain. All of those things, gifts, passions, life experiences, the pain, they all come together and help us step into a purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our trouble so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, when talking about this, and I look at those categories, I look at number one, gifts and passions, number two, life experiences, number three, pain, I automatically want to talk about gifts and passions first because that is what I'm comfortable with. I'm, you know, that is the, give me the good news before the bad news. And still, I feel really prompted to talk about the pain first and how there's a lot of pain out there. There's a lot of pain inside sometimes, and it's heavy. I pray that this message can be a blessing and help it and help others. Help me just make it lighter as we lean into the Lord who carries us. I will get back to the other topics of gifts and passions and life experiences and just, you know, noticing what we see that others don't see. I think those are super, super important keys to stepping into purpose for the Lord. And so, and our God-given purpose, I also believe that looking at Psalm 139 verses 13 to 14, where it really just talks about how we are wonderfully created, how we are known already earlier in that Psalm, it talks about how we are known and seen by God. And in verses 13 and 14, it talks about how we really can discover, develop, deploy, really step into our purpose. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. We can serve God by serving others. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, faithful steward of my pain. Wow. But how? I've been really learning to reflect on this and to lean into as I step into purpose and fix my focus more. So I ask 
this to us all. Have you been through something that tested your faith, that built your faith? Do you feel as though this trial that God guided you through allowed you to step into and discover more of your purpose? You see, God can guide us through these moments and these times, these trials that are hard. And there are so many trials that we won't understand. I I think of James chapter one, there's so many that we don't understand. The trials are hard and so many of them I put into the compartment of, I do not understand. I get frustrated and I have to pray in those moments and just say, God, I don't get this. I don't get this, but I know you can use it for good. And so please use this for purpose, for good, and for just carry it for me. We may even begin to think that this is pointless. Why am I going through this? What is the point of this trial? And that nothing can be attained through it. Maybe this trial, it just is so heavy. And still, when I think about it, and I've I've thought about it in many times in my life, like even a couple years ago, walking through a season where I was really not doing the thing that was the popular thing, just for me, I'm not going to compare. I think that when the Holy Spirit guides us to do something, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is guiding someone else to do the same thing. And we need to be very careful of that although it will never go against God's word, but we have to be careful of that. And so in that, I remember reflecting to a friend during lunch and we were both kind of in the same boat and we were talking about how we felt like it was making us a little more like Jesus to be able to have this trial that was hard. It didn't feel good. And yet I felt like a little closer to Jesus in that moment. I know that he uses everything for our good and he calls us. He loves us. And so those times I still put it into the compartment of, I do not understand. I don't want the trial, but I don't want to waste it either. And so I question this and we can question this. Are we living through it? Are we loving through it? And so when I was listening to the last episode with Leah and she shared her story, and even before we did it on the podcast, she had shared her story with me. And I just, the entire time sat there listening to her voice memos. I love voice memos, by the way. They're such a cool feature to communicate in small little bits with people and the busyness of life, but, and to connect with people and to hear their stories. And so when she shared her story, I just kept thinking she did this. She went through something that was so hard and she openly talks about it. I hope you listen to the other episode. If you haven't definitely check it out. Her testimony or part of her testimony, she's only shared a small part of it and is so, so inspiring and just a beautiful, beautiful testimony of just God's goodness and, and strength. And so I kept thinking during the whole time that she really did this. And she, she clung to God and hope. And it could be so easy to cling into to things of this world. We can use experiences as crutches or excuses, or we can step into it as an opportunity. It's so interesting because I wrote out like notes of where I wanted to go with this a while ago, this episode. And last night I went through something and I kept being reminded that of the same thing I'm about to like touch upon. I'm talking about myself here. We see these times as obstacles, these situations as obstacles, and they are, but maybe we need to stop calling the obstacle an obstacle. Maybe we need to declare it an opportunity for a miracle. So we can stop calling the obstacle an obstacle because it's entertaining it. We know it's there. We're not ignoring it. No one's asking anyone to ignore it. We can't do that, but we can declare an opportunity. 
I see you, but you're an opportunity for God to move and do a miracle. And so that's what I'm standing on right now. I was reflecting back to part of my own testimony and having battled with an eating disorder and body image issues starting very young. And in my preteen and teen years, it landed me in a hospital and I was hospitalized for a month. Two weeks were inpatient, two weeks were outpatients. And I went through extensive, it was really at a point where I had lost a lot and I didn't need to lose anything. And I had lost 40 pounds more than I should have. And I often don't even use that number because I don't like using numbers, but I just wanted to like create an image of it was in a state where it was bad for me. It was actually affecting my organs. And I was told many times by many doctors there that I may never have kids one day because of what was happening. And I don't know if it was like I was 15 when I was hospitalized. And so this is coming from perception of a 15 year old who was really battling a lot of control issues trying to seek control, trying to do it in any way I could. And I was thinking that at the time when I got hospitalized, I was in bad shape. And I had been trying for probably a year to do it in my own strength. I kept telling everyone, I want to get healthy. And I did. I remember like every time I would go to the doctors, I would say, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. There was like this wonderful nurse there. She was just a blessing. She was one of the first people in an everyday life kind of situation who talked about Jesus. And I always say this, and I actually reached out to her a couple of years ago to thank her. I found her. The internet is wonderful because you can find people because I don't even know if she told me Jesus loved me, but that's how I remember it. I remember being in there and I remember being so broken and so saddened and I was battling anxiety, like deep, deep anxiety and deep, deep depression. And she told me I was beautiful. She told me God thought I was beautiful. She told me about Jesus. I honestly don't even know. I should probably ask her, like, did you even say those things? But whatever she said to me, that's what I heard. And so I am so thankful for people who do that. And I mean, that was just a pediatrician office. It wasn't like a church. It wasn't anything. It was like she was living on mission. And so I say that because I remember I was trying and trying and it, I was in a bad shape. It was affecting every area of my life. And sure, I was still getting my good grades and I was trying to play basketball still. It was basketball season. I remember it very vividly because I remember a couple comments that were made when I was on the court of one of my last games, making fun of me, calling me a skeleton. And I say that because I knew in that moment I had a problem. And I needed to do something. And so my parents brought me here and I was hospitalized. And even when I got into the hospital, I remember the thoughts coming into my head saying, your problem is not as bad as everyone else's. Why are you here? Like the guilt started to come that I wasn't bad enough. This is so twisted to be there to get help. The other people needed that spot that I was there. And so there is a problem in that thought process, right? Like we deserve to get the help we need. The help is out there. We need to seek it. And God wants us to live in the more he has for us. And so that process, like thinking my issue wasn't bad enough, landed me there. And I remember feeling the guilt and the shame and even just so heavy at that time. I'm not going to get into that story. Eventually I'll get into that story, I'm sure. But I went on to heal. And I still never overcame that 
I healed from a lot of it. I didn't have the eating disorder per se, but I did have disordered eating as far as just things I did that I knew I didn't need to hold on to, like counting calories and things like that, that for me were not good for me. For other people, it might be fine for them, but it was not good for me. And so it wasn't until my early 30s that I was healed of that. I was still clinging on to like a half healing, actually. I thought it was okay. I'm okay. Like half of it, I'm like half healed. I'm mostly healed, but I'm still going to hold on to this as a crutch in case I need it. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to step into the full healing. He wants us fully delivered and fully just standing in his deliverance. And so I kept remembering there had been a doctor when I was getting admitted and he had said to me and my mom at the time, she will never fully get healed of this. And I I don't even have the quote on me right now, but I've definitely written about it. But he basically told me that based on the statistics, I would never be fully healed and that I would become a statistic. I remember that. And I remember so strongly hearing on my heart in that moment, you will not be a statistic. This doctor who does not know me, and I don't fault him. I do believe that I needed to realize how I needed to get healthy. I needed to recognize that this was something I really needed to do for my health. And there was so much at stake and I needed to hear the hard things. I needed to. And he was telling me really the worldly statistics say, but in that moment, I I heard it so loudly. It was one of the first times I ever heard something in my heart. And it said, you will not be a statistic. It was like this inaudible feeling and I felt it. So I knew that. I always thought of that. I knew healing was going to come, but I started to settle and think that I had already gotten my healing, even though I knew there were parts I could still let go of. And indeed, it led me to when I had kids and I was on an elimination diet for my son. He had 21 food allergies and I had decided because of how much he was so limited with all the food, I decided to actually try to continue to breastfeed him and take away all those things from my diet. And it was actually after another doctor had told me that most people wouldn't do it. And I was like, oh, well, you don't know me. I'm not most people. I am going to do it. I actually didn't say that out loud. I was so fired up inside. And I I don't know if that's the right motivation, but that's what I used. And I told my husband that after. And he set me up. He went out. He got tons of things for me to try. And, and so in doing that elimination diet, I realized I was still counting. I was still using an app and, you know, keeping track of what I was eating and all that. I had to eat a lot more because I had taken out like all grains and dairy and so much that I was actually losing and I was trying not to. So it was stressing me out. Something that I had clung to for control was now stressing me out. I felt out of control with it. And so I really felt strongly I had to delete the app and I knew I had to do it. And still I deleted it and then I put it back. I deleted it. I remember exactly where I was. I was in my kitchen. It was like this this battle. And finally, I deleted it and I put my phone down and I walked away and I asked God for his strength because I, I did not know what was going to happen. But when I tell you it was in that moment, I never counted another calorie again. I was delivered in that moment that you will not be a statistic. You will not always have an eating disorder. This will be used for a purpose. Your pain will be used for purpose. And in that moment, I saw the purpose. I was able to take all of these things I had learned in reading labels for two decades 
I was able to use that to keep my son protected with his allergies. Now, I'm not saying I want anyone to walk through what I went through because it was it was a lot. I wouldn't want to do that. But God used that pain, and it was painful at times, in a way where I had so much knowledge and resources and just ways of looking at food and products and and labels, and I was able to use that to keep my son safe. I was able to use that to keep thinking outside of the box on how to create different recipes and put different ingredients for other ingredients, replace other things to keep his diet healthy and keep everything creative. And so what happened, happened. I pray it never becomes a crutch or excuse. Instead, I pray it becomes a testimony because I have been washed clean through the blood of Christ. So whatever happened, happened, but let's not use it as an excuse. Let's not label our healing or that we're taking up space. We need to lean into the Lord. We need to not hold on to half healings, half this, half that. We want to step into the blessing, step into what God is doing, believe in what he's doing. And so while there is danger in holding on to those, I was thinking about this recently. There's also danger in thinking our testimonies are not good enough to share. So I once thought that my problem wasn't bad enough to heal. If that is some kind of lie, that's lies after lies, right? You are worthy of the healing. You are worthy of the blessing. God wants more for all of us. And so I was thinking just like that, there is danger in thinking that our testimonies are not good enough to share. Someone needs to hear it. Someone's actually a friend of mine just recently in a church meeting, we were chatting and someone said, someone's life is attached to it. And I just, that made me think, and I know that sounds like dramatic and I know God will get the work done. If he wants something done and he wants the message given to somebody, he's going to use someone else to go do it if he wants it done. He uses us and that is such a privilege. And I love that. That humbles me time and time again. But I don't want that on my heart and my conscience. I don't want to sit back in the fear of holding on to what happened or sharing what God did in my life. I don't want to hold that back for the fear of no one wants to hear it. Someone needs to hear it. Sure. Will everyone want to hear it? No. Will the message or will you be for everybody? No. And that's why there are so many of us. There will always be critics. There will always be people that turn and walk away because they don't want to hear it. Or maybe they do want to hear it, but they're not ready for it. The seeds will be planted if we plant them. If we hold on to them and we hoard them, what can grow? Except a lot of carrying on to things that becomes heavy and heavy and heavy and heavier and heavier. And then what do you do with it then? That just creates a space of being overwhelmed. Trust me, I know. So freedom comes when we stop pointing fingers too. There can be so much that we want to, why did that happen? That was that person's fault. That happened to me. So this is why I am the way I am. But we need to let it go and let God do what he does all the time. It is then that we can unfold our fists and soften our hearts to the life we deserve. Excuses are just like that. They will never bring us the more that our lives are made for. The excuses can be crutches that can steal so much more for us than they do to help us. I mean, when we direct our anger, our sadness, when we are pointing fingers, it blocks us 
from opening our hands and asking God, strengthen my hands, use me, use this. Freedom comes with patience and prayer, but freedom comes time and time again when we use it wisely. When we stop being distracted or we stop spending time with excuses, freedom comes from forgiveness too. It comes from letting go of the clenched fist and allowing the heart to beat freely again. Freedom comes from leaving all the excuses on. Can I bring it to the beach? (laughs) I'm thinking of the beach. It's leaving all the excuses on the beach and getting into the real healing waters instead of waiting for someone else to save us. That was a difficult message for me to hear because I didn't want to hear it so many times in my life, but especially right before a huge, huge step into healing. It was easier for me to blame others for the battles I had and the hardships that I went through than to take matters into my own hands. To take matters into my own hands and lift my hands up to the Lord who can heal, fully heal. In our own strength, we won't get the full healing, but in His anything is possible. So for the longest time, I thought I had to take it all on and carry it all. And it's never the case. We were never meant to carry the burdens alone. The resentment, the excuses will never allow us to be free of anxiety, depression, pain, but letting it go, just, it gives it to God. And I never really understood that until it's like, I don't think it needs to be hard. We can just say, God, I give this to you. I don't want to hold this anymore. And so It's messy around here sometimes, and there are scars, and I'm not going to say that there's not. I think that's part of the whole thing here, right? But I really hope that I don't have any more crutches laying around to trip me up. And if I do, I need the Lord to show me those crutches. And He will. When we say that, He will. And it takes me back to John chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. And I think I mentioned this on the episode with Leah When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, pick up your mat and walk. Let's get our mats. Let's get up and walk when God says, lay down the excuses, no matter how long it's been, how long we've been stirring there, no matter how long we've been waiting, it is time to get up and let God, when God says, get up, let's go live. You see, in this scripture, in these verses, the pool of Bethesda was a famous place for people who were sick and handicapped. They would gather. People believed that it was where their healing would come. So again, God saw him laying there and he said, do you want to get well? And he turned to excuses. He said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Someone always gets ahead of me. But once Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk, he was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked on the day in which took place. It was actually the Sabbath. And I just think about that. What a powerful image. What a powerful moment for just all of us to really step into. It's this hope. There's so much that can keep us stuck and not listening when God says, pick up our mat. Literally, he was saying, walk into your healing. For me, there was this pain. I kept as excuses in case I messed up. I'm being real here. I was like, well, just in case this gets messed up, I want to have something I can blame it on. I didn't openly say that, but when I look back at it, that's definitely what I was doing. It was like this comfort of, in case I have it wrong or in case I fail, the fear of failure. And maybe 
I think it was my husband in the beginning, you know, he listened and he still listens. And every once in a while, he would stop entertaining the conversation. And I didn't talk about this all the time. Just understand this wasn't like a conversation all the time, but it was in the times I did in the beginning of our marriage and dating. If I brought up things, he would like, you know, have a conversation, sometimes talk about it, sometimes listen. But then as the years went on in our marriage, he stopped entertaining the conversation. And I think that's a great skill until one day he said, you can't use it as a crutch or something along those lines. And as usual, I had to hold back firing back with frustration because those words hurt me. The pain was there and he was right. I didn't need to use the pain as an excuse. Instead, I could use it as an opportunity. John chapter 10 verse 10 tells us the goal of the enemy is this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. John chapter 10 verse 10 tells us the enemy wants to destroy us. But listen here. The enemy only has its roar. Jesus disarmed his bite. So he only has a roar. We don't need to listen to it. We don't need to entertain it. We can turn away. We can tune in our ears to listen to what God wants us to hear. We can't pick and choose what or who we forgive. If we need help with forgiveness, this is a whole nother episode I'm not going to get into right now because I can talk about this for a long time. There is freedom and forgiveness. When God tells us we have to forgive, we have to let it go. It doesn't mean we have to go to the person. Sometimes it's unsafe to go to the person. I'm not talking about the unsafe things and things like that. You need to go talk to somebody. If you are finding yourself in unsafe situations, please find someone to talk to, reach out for help. I'm talking about like, for me, there were things in the past and people and things that hurt me or offended me. And I wasn't necessarily doing it back to them. But I was holding on to those times and those words. And in holding on to them for me, I was angry at them. Being angry is a natural feeling of being human, right? I was holding on to the grudges. It was a deliberate choice that I was choosing to live in the anger. And I didn't really know. I'm not an angry person. If you know me, I'm not an angry person. But there were these moments where it would come out. And I was learning that I was still holding on to these bits and pieces of things. And it was beneath the layers and the surface. And that's why it would come out here and there. The grudges, whether they're loud or silent, they're eating at us. They're depleting our resources and our time. And I think of the J.L. Beck quote where it says, holding grudges is like letting someone live rent-free in your mind. They're not doing any of the dishes or laundry. Heck, they're not doing any part of the upkeep. So just like any landlord would do or anyone, if they have no value or they're in your space, God has given you. So just like anyone would do if someone was here, if they have no value, those thoughts that anger and they can't do any good for you and they can't help, we need to kick them out. It may sound harsh, but we deserve that freedom. You deserve that freedom. Learning to return the negative with love. Pray for those people. Don't harp in the hatred. Pray for the people who harp in the hatred, that their hearts may soften. Paybacks, bashing people, all the bickering will never do anything but dig deeper wounds. Internal disputes make us more susceptible to the outer battle. And while the grudges can be stealing our peace, energy, and time, the enemy can use it to sneak in and take more. So when we're focused on holding on to the grudge, we can't properly protect ourselves and our families from attacks. I'm learning this time and time again. Forgiveness allows us to let go, give it to God, regain 
what it is that God wants for us. Whatever is in our control, because remember, like all that's a whole another topic too, right? And really, it allows us to regain control of what is entering and what's leaving our doors, which in this case, our doors could be our minds and our hearts. And so forgiveness allows love to enter the house and the love needs to always be welcomed for love heals all things. And so it's not easy to let go sometimes and unresolved issues can require us to go back and take care of things that need to be taken care of. However, why would we ever want to go back to go face a pain or even the person who wronged us? The reason is a powerful one and it's reconciliation. It is the coming together for something that is broken and releasing it all into forgiveness. We can't get to the right place the wrong way. Keeping the grudge is the wrong way. It can chain us to things that will prevent us from even moving. Reconciliation is the right way. And even though God has saved us and forgiven me, I mean, I have these messes to sort through. And I'm not talking about the ones that trip me up around the house and the Legos and they hurt to walk over. It's the type of mess that where we store the bits and pieces of things that God doesn't want us to hold on to. He wants us to give it to them because they seep into the deeper parts of us and we don't want that. He wants us to sort it out, not keep them hidden under the couch when people come. We need to sort through the messes by going through them and and not kicking them under anywhere, but instead dealing with them, letting God deal with them. Sometimes I may be forgiving someone by telling them. Other times it may be forgiving ourselves or not telling the person, not going to them directly, but having God help us forgive a person without telling them. We can do that too. The dirt will always resurface if we don't deal with it. And so it isn't it better to clean it up and acknowledge it before it reluctantly forces us to. I know I like the freedom of choice. So what can we do? We can get into God's word, Bible time every day, devotionals, write it out. Ask God to help you. Who do you have to forgive? What do you have to forgive? Is it yourself? Is it an experience? Is it something you're carrying that's not meant for you? Is there something that was painful that you're holding on to? And I do think that they're related often. In my own life, I have experienced them to be very related. And so there is freedom and forgiveness. Reach out to Bible-based church. A community is important. God sometimes will send us a message through somebody else. And like in Leah's story, the doctor, God used the doctor to speak this word of encouragement to her. And sometimes that happens. That's why it's important to surround ourselves with people who have our best interests and just find people, be people who do and be people who pray. And there are people out there. I know it doesn't always seem like it, but there are people out there who care. I believe a lot more people care than don't. I just think the busyness just causes our focus to be off. And so let's pray to be people who take opportunities to share about God, to tell somebody about Jesus loving them, make a phone call. Even on that phone call with the cake, I maybe I should have said Jesus loves you or God loves you. I don't know. I mean, it's not always going to be easy. Life is not easy, right? And when the opportunity comes to share our testimonies or what God has done, just tell it, use it. Don't worry about if someone doesn't want to listen. That's the fear of whatever and the doubt trying to hold us back. There is purpose in our stories. God can use our most broken parts or even the pain for purpose. Someone needs to hear it. Someone needs to hear your story. Talk about how the pain and challenges helped you step into your purpose. Because they do. Much like my journey with disordered eating really was God used to just bring purpose into my own motherhood and my life. And I'm not saying that's the way you need to get there. I don't want that for anybody. 
I pray against fruit allergies, but also against eating disorders all the time. It's just, there is healing that can come, but we need to share about what God has done in our lives. We need to share about his healing. You have purpose. You are loved. God knows what you've been through. He sees it. He loves you so much. He has more for you. So what is it that God has done in your life? How has he used those times that were painful, that were hard, that were challenging? How is he using them? Ask him. Invite him into the conversation. Invite him into the conversation about your purpose because you have an incredible purpose. So when we picked up that cake and it said what it said, happy birthday, God bless. I have to end with those two words because there are two words that this world needs to hear time and time again. God bless. So dear God, you are good. You are so good that you are in the midst of all of our stories. You have created the person that who is listening right now, all of the people, all of us on and for a distinctly beautiful purpose. And so anything that's holding them back from stepping into that purpose, Lord, remove that, take that away, block our ears from what's not from you We don't want to settle for the half healings or the half anything. We want to walk into purpose. We want to walk into the more you have for us. We want to pick up our mats and we want to step into the life you have created for us. So any excuse or crutch, we ask you to help us throw them down and just throw our hands up to you instead. And we praise you for what you're doing because you are using all the journey for purpose. There is pain in the purpose and though we don't want it, Block us, heal us, bring healing, bring restoration, bring revival. We trust you. We trust you with this. Help us, guide us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Art of a Messy House podcast. And thank you even more for being here. Be sure to visit theartofamessyhouse.com to join the conversation subscribe there for weekly devotionals and discover some fantastic bonus resources as well. And while that's all for this episode, I hope that you'll follow along and always remember, most importantly, that you are loved, you are seen, and you are known. So until next time, God bless.